Awesome. Great. Well, um, I feel like I don't even need a mic, but I guess I'll use it. My beautiful wife is here with me, the object of my affection. Why don't you stand up, babe? <laughs> anyway, she normally doesn't come, so it's great to have her here. I feel more complete with her here. We just need the two little ones, and we'll be whole. But um, it's such an honor always to be with you guys. We always work up here. Is the mic cutting out? Is, is it? Um, we always talk about the work that's going on up here and the type of people that are here down in Orlando. And man, oh, how we wish that there were people and things going on like you guys have going on here. So I just want first off, I just want to say, man, you guys should really, really value. I know it's hard to see it being in it and being the people that we love so much. It's, it's hard to value it to the degree of how valuable it really is. But what you guys have is so special and so authentic and so real that we in another part of the country are salivating for it. We want it so bad, man. So I just want to encourage you to, uh, to really value what you guys have got going on here. The relationships that are here, the reality of what's here, the leaders that are here. Man, the, the, the different people you guys have come. Gladstone is coming in next week. What in the world? It's just, this is just an incredible thing to be a part of. So I just really want to start off by encouraging you to really value what's going on here. And don't let that, that, uh, that mindset slip in of just, just the habitual mindset. This is just, you know, who we are. This is just what we do. But see it as what it really is. An authentic expression of the wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers of the air over this region. You know what I'm saying? It's the only way that thing's going to come down. You guys are, are walking it out. So, Father, thank you so much for the Holy Ghost. Lord, we love your glory. We love your face. Your precious presence is why we live. My God, without your presence, there literally is no meaning for us. We long for you even tonight, God. Each one of us here with hunger deep in our hearts and our eyes fixed upon you, our ears open to your voice. God, we're asking, speak tonight. Speak with clarity, my God. I'm asking you, Lord God, to speak to me. I'm asking you, Lord God, to do that thing that no man can do. Do that thing that no man can add to and no man can take away from. God, open the door of our hearts that you may walk in in a fresh new way tonight. My God, I'm asking, Lord, please take us to the next place. I'm longing for that next spot, the next revelation of this great person, Jesus. I ask you, my God, to do it right here by your own spirit, to show your own face, to reveal God to us. Oh, great, blessed, holy Godhead, flow in this place, living light of the Godhead. Flow into every soul, into every life, even now, my God, I pray. I pray, Lord, re restore the things that have been lost. I pray, Lord God, breathe on the embers. I pray, Lord God, remove any scales that have just come in over our eyes that we may see more clearly. My God, I pray for fresh divine energy. I pray for the energy of the Holy Ghost to come inside each one of us, not just tonight, but in our lives. God, that we would walk it out and be this thing with reality and love and hope and faith and real joy, my God. 
and real, real peace, God, that passes all understanding. Oh, God, make your habitation here with us, God. We cry out from here, the earth, saying, oh, God, dwell here, dwell in us. Make us your home, mighty God, even as you have made us your home already, Lord. We want to see it more and more. That great habitualness of God, just the habitation of the Lamb, I pray in this place, in your precious name. We worship you, Jesus. We bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just open your mouth. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. We worship you, Jesus. We magnify you, Lord. Nothing like you. Nothing like you. Nothing like you. There's none like you, precious Lamb of God. In Jesus' name, the glory of God. The glory of God, I pray, set our hearts upon you. Set our hearts upon you tonight. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Yeah, that sweet ease, that sweet rest, Lord, I pray, come into every soul. Your glory, Lord, your glory. Your precious glory. Your precious glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, in prayer, waiting is the key. In prayer, waiting is everything. In prayer, waiting is where the soul actually expands. Waiting is actually everything. For some reason, modern Christianity has showed us and told us that in the midst of prayer, we've got to fill it with words. We just got to, we just got to fill it with words and fill it with stuff coming out of the mouth. But the reality is, is that when we slip in to that still place, that place of just here I am, only you, my God, that's the place where the actual movement of the spirit begins to move. And I'm telling you, it is in the mind, it is the most, it's seemingly insignificant point of prayer. It's actually unintelligible, the things that are happening. You're like, I just, I don't understand what is happening in this moment. If there is anything at all, I don't, I don't necessarily, I feel the presence of the Lord and I'm not real sure about what he's doing, but you're waiting there in that presence, basking in that presence, just praying in the spirit, just waiting for the sweet movement. I'm telling you, this is what separates the men from the boys. This is what separates visions from no visions. This is what separates the quickening from the unquickened. It, this is what separates getting the specifics from the Lord and going on not knowing exactly what He's doing. If we want to hear His voice, we've got to make that time to just do nothing else but listen. We put the petitions aside and the proclamations aside and the identity aside and just rest on Him. And what begins to happen in that place, even though it's unintelligible, there's an indelible mark that happens from the Holy Spirit where God begins to inflow on the inside and change us by His very own substance. The Scriptures are very clear. It's by a beholding and a touching of the person that actually things take place and change. It's not by memorization or some type of cerebral reservoir. Just re, cerebral, holding it all up here. Man, it's gotta drop down. If it doesn't drop down, you never get a changed in, in, internal life. It never, there's no transformation. As I spoke the other day, what happens is adoration in our hearts produces an installation from God. 
And that installation begins to take place on the inside. And you begin to enter into meditation upon that thing that God is doing. Lord, here I am. I just worship you. And that meditation opens up revelation. And revelation is the only way to transformation. You want a transformation in your life, you need a revelation of Jesus Christ. And that revelation of Jesus Christ comes by meditating upon Him in His Word, meditating upon the things that He's saying to you, meditating upon that internal uh, experience of the Spirit. You turn your attention towards the presence of the Lord and it swallows you up over time. You just turn your attention towards the presence and you hold and sustain your heart fixed upon the person in your presence, His presence and your presence. And that presence swallows you up. And it removes you away from self-consciousness, which is the chief obstacle to the voice of God. Which is the chief obstacle to the presence of the Spirit being sensibly and experientially felt. This experience of Jesus is the, different, the, the, the distinguishing factor. We must experience God. I'll tell you this. I can, I can no more reduce my, 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 my relationship in God away from experience any more than I can reduce my marriage to a photo. I can't reduce my marriage to a photo because then it would cease to be a marriage. It's not a person. There's no in, interaction. There's no experience of the person. The experience of the person is the relationship. And people, man, from the very beginning they've been telling me this, man. They, these men have been coming to me, women have become older, older men, sometimes peers. What they do is they tell me, you cannot base anything off of experience. I'm like, hold up. Is he real or is he real? If he's real, you'll experience his glory. You cannot say you've got the glory of God in your life without, without an experience. As a matter of fact, when the temple is filled with the glory of God, there's an experience that takes place. When the experience of the glory comes to the disciples from the face of Christ shining, they see something and they hear something. It's an experience. Listen, having a cup of coffee is an experience. Riding a roller coaster is an experience. Having a baby is an experience. A relationship is based on experience of the person. Their voice, you see them, the movie, it's an experience. You tell me, I meet the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God. He lives inside of me. The great Godhead takes residence inside of my soul and there's no experience? The life of God in the soul of man is what this thing is all about. And that life can be bullet pointed down to this. The experience of His presence and the hearing of His voice. You take these two elements out and you have nothing. The experience is everything. It's not just... Part. This experience is the whole. The old mystics used to say this book is the blessed book of experience. Because God wants to breathe on you with his very own breath from these words. He wants to take the black and white and blow them into your soul so that they take residence and brand you and carve on the inside of you the image of Jesus Christ. Without this reality, we're stuck. This wasn't even when I was planning on talking about it. I felt something specific from the Lord, but I really feel it right now. Just, I know you guys know these things. I'm not trying to teach anything you guys don't know. What I'm trying to say is just, I'm, I'm reiterating these things that we have based our lives upon so that we can continually walk in them more fully and deeper. I want to see us walk, all of us, myself included, in a deeper fashion. The moment that we plateau and think that we've got it all and we've got to the place where I don't need an experience anymore, we're in a dangerous place. 
Because you want to know what God does with a heart that says, I don't need an experience? He doesn't give them one. But when your heart is saying, I need to experience you today, I don't live unless your presence comes. And I, I, I live today for you. I make every decision right now. I wake up in the morning and I turn my heart to you. Here I am, Lord, desperate and needy, poor and naked and blind without you. I need you. Here I am, Lord. Take me again and save me like you did the first day that I called upon you. I need your presence. Maturity in God is the most dependent person. I love what Gladstone told us. He said that in the kingdom or in the world, you grow older and become more independent. When Madison, my seven-year-old, becomes 17, I will trust her. Is it 15? 17. One of the two. When she gets of age to drive, I will trust her with the keys. And she can be independently driving away from me. That's the natural mind. And the natural process. But the kingdom, just like everything else, is backwards. Meaning, you become more and more dependent upon God. Where you, go, you come in thinking that you can do things. Lord, I, thank you for saving me. I think I can work this thing out myself. But then the more you grow in God, you're like, man, I can't do anything without you. I need your presence. I'm done without you. I remember Dave... <laughs> I remember I, I called Dave and I said, man, if the Bulls are going to play the Lakers, man, they got to find their weakness. I said, I said, bro, what's, what's, what's your weakness, bro? If the devil's coming at you, what's he doing? He said, Eric, he said, without his presence, I'll drown in a puddle. And man, it, it impacted my heart. I never forgot it. It moved me. And I said, God, I got to go to a deeper place of dependency. I need your presence. I need your presence. I need your presence. I need the tangible reality of you in my life. I need it now as I preach. I need it when I leave here. I need your presence, my God. Without your presence, I get thirstier and thirstier until I, till I die of thirst. The continuous experience of this person through his word, through prayer, through worship, through adoration, through surrender, through meditation. See, the presence of the Lord is everywhere. The Bible calls it the omnipresence of the Lord. It's everywhere. It's right here, right now. It's out there in the club. But when that omnipresence begins to show itself and manifest itself, this is called the glory of God. So, wherever you are, the presence is there. But there are certain things as a human soul that you can do to cause the presence to manifest anywhere that you are. Because the omnipresence touched by the human will always manifests. What are those things that you can do to cause the omnipresence to manifest wherever you are? And I've tested this. I've seen it in my own life. I know many of you have done the same. When I worked at a body shop with my my wife's dad, I had to clean the floors with a broom. And I went into this one place where these couple of Puerto Rican cats, they, they cleaned the inside of the cards. That was their whole job. They had a little section off to the side. I had to go in there and I had to clean. And when I walked in there, what I didn't know, because I'd never been in there before, I'd just gotten the job, 
from the ceiling to the floor on all four walls, these heathen devils pasted pornography everywhere. It was their men cave of porn where they cleaned the cars. I don't know how they were able to do it, but they did it. And I had to go in there and I had to clean. You know what I would do when I was sweeping in there? I had to go in there. I said, what am I going to do? I began to worship Jesus. I closed my eyes and I just began to say, Lord, here I am. I worship you. I praise you and I adore you. I give you praise, Lord. And I could feel my soul begin to separate from my body. And become dominated by the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives inside. And I was separated from the influence of the images. And this is how it works in our lives. The will turning to the Lord separates us from the naturalness And the fleshly desires of life. So much so that Paul says things like this. If you walk in the spirit. You will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. Not you might not. Not you got a good shot. No you won't. Because what I'm talking about is a higher system of existence. And when we worship Jesus and live in adoration. What happens is we are separated from the natural man and his desires. We have dominion over them. And the pleasure is so much higher in God, everything on the earth pales in comparison. Those images could have been monkeys. Didn't even matter. The glory of God will separate us from the influence of the old man. You can worship Jesus... Anywhere, the presence will manifest. You can open up His Word and begin to read His Word with an open heart and His presence will manifest. You can begin to pray, Lord, here I am, I I need you, I bless you. And the presence will manifest. The presence that is omni will turn into manifest glory anytime you choose to turn your heart toward Him. You don't even need to actually do anything. Madame Guyon talked about turning within. And when the heart turns within, you access Him who, who resides on the inside with all of His dominion and power. So we turn our eyes inwardly and we experience the presence of God which keeps us holy. Holiness is the fruit of being addicted to the maximum pleasure of life which is God Himself. Now with this preface... <laughs> Let me give you what I felt the Lord was saying. It's really quick. How many of you understand what I'm saying right now? How many understand that this is the most important thing in the world? Yeah, because you can memorize the whole Bible and never experience God. We know uh, there's theologians, Bart Ehrman for one, who's got like the New Testament. He's a, he's a master with the New Testament. He doesn't, he doesn't even know God. You got people who go to worship conference after worship conference they listen to music and get lost in the music, but they never touch God. You got people that, that are, are conference hoppers and they learn a lot. You can even go to school and never touch God. You can read the Bible all day. If your heart is not turned inward to God, you're not going to touch Him. You can sing songs all day long. If your heart isn't connected to Him, you, you don't get anything out of it. 
We need the living, vibrant experience of Jesus to be number one. Now, with this said, here we go. What I felt from the Lord to say is this. Remember Hannah. Raise your hand if you remember Hannah. Remember Hannah could not bear children. Remember this? Do you remember Hannah's, uh, the other wife that Elkanah had? Panina. What did Panina do? She bore forth children like crazy. She's popping out kids like crazy. Hannah has no kids. Panina's popping out kids for Elkanah. But Elkanah loved Hannah, right? Isn't that what the scripture says? I want to show you something. The Lord spoke to my heart when I walked in this room, and I don't know who this is for, but I'll just say it. We, we get to a place in our hearts, we start to compare ourselves to other people. And what God is doing with them or what their, what their ministry is. And we enter into depression. We enter into a frustration. So I felt like right off the bat, one of the things that God wanted to do is smash that thing. Because we can't have that in community. We can't have that in love. You can't have it and actually produce in your own life. Benny Hinn talked about when he was running at the Catholic school when he was a kid, an old monk came over to him and he said, if you're going to race these kids that you're about to race, there's two things you have to know. He said, what? He said, what are they? He said, don't look at the person to your left or your right and just keep your eyes on the goal. And that's huge for finishing a race. Don't look at the person to your left or to your right. Just keep your eyes straight ahead. Do you remember what what Peter says? What's going to happen to John? And Jesus says, don't worry about that. You just follow me. In other words, he can't follow him if his eyes are on John. Because you can only have your eyes on one person at a time. And if you're following Jesus, following Jesus means this. Keeping your eyes on him and adjusting whatever you must to keep them there. And to point at someone else means that you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. Whether it's positive or negative. Whether you bash the dude. Oh, this guy just, you know, this guy just doing this. Da, 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 I'm not doing that. You still took your eyes off Jesus. Whether you're saying, oh, he's doing this. I need to do more. Whatever you're doing by looking at other people. In contrast or comparison to yourself. You've got your eyes off Jesus. So I'm not, I'm not trying to bash anybody. I'm just trying to set somebody free. Because I've done it, man. And it doesn't do anything but make you frustrated. It doesn't connect you with the sweetness and the joy of the Lord. It actually robs you of it. So it only, you only feel the need to prove yourself when your opinion of yourself is higher than what you actually are. Did you hear that? You only feel the need to prove yourself when your opinion of yourself is higher than what you actually are. Does that make sense? So if we're seeking to prove ourselves by what we say or what we do or tell people what we've been doing, when we do that, what we're doing is we're actually participating in a competitive spirit. And this destroys joy, man. If for no other reason, it kills your joy. Forget proving yourself. Just let God be the prover. God is proven. Every man's a liar. Let God be true. The cross is complete. The cross is a perfect work. Let's just boast in that. Let's boast in what he's done instead of what we've done. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not, again, I'm not saying this because I, you know, I, you know, felt this movement of the spirit that said there's everybody's competing with each other. They hate each other. I'm not saying that. I'm just putting this out of my heart. 
uh, out of my heart because I felt it. So you have Hannah that wants to bear forth children. Panina is bearing forth children. And Panina is provoking Hannah. Remember, the Bible even says, my version says that she's poking her. Say, you see, I got three. (laughs) You got none. You can't bear. I'm bearing. Now, remember, in this day, a woman's whole identity was bound up in whether or not she could bear forth children. Right? And not only this, but in this day, the bearing forth of a son was the greatest thing that a woman could do. So not only was a woman's identity found in whether or not she could bear forth children, the height of her identity in bearing forth children was in bearing forth a son. So Panina's popping out kids, Hannah wants kids, she's frustrated, and what does she do? She begins to weep and she can't even eat. She's actually thoroughly distraught on the inside. And through the spirit of competition, she's looking around, she sees Panina doing all this stuff, she sees what she's not able to do. And maybe you're in your workplace right now. You're seeing people and your friends released in ministry. And they're seeing all kinds of miracles. And there you are stuck at a desk. And you're saying to yourself, man, she's popping out kids like crazy. Lord, where's my fruit? I'm going somewhere with this. Hopefully you just keep following me. She's distressed. She begins to cry and groan. Now, here's the crux of the whole thing. You know what Elkanah says to her? Do you remember? While she's crying, he comes to comfort her. He grabs her by her arm. The woman who he loves, distraught because she can't bear forth fruit for him. The identity of the culture, the culture's identity is saying she's worthless. She can't bear forth kids, she can't bear forth sons. And that whole culture is pressing on her and causing her to be deeply distressed on the inside. I need children. He grabs her by the arm and he says, Am I not more to you than ten sons? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And I want you to look at this as Elkanah is Christ. Your brother over here is popping out fruit left and right. He's seeing dead raisings. Blind eyes are opening like crazy. He's planting churches left and right. And there you are. Sweeping floors or, you know, doing your little outreach. And you're saying to yourself, this guy's bearing fruit like crazy. Where's my fruit? I need more miracles in my ministry. I, I, I need more miracles. I, where's the wonders? I, I want more wonders. Where's the, where, where's, the, where's the fruit? Where's the people coming in? Where, where is all this? I need more of this stuff in my life. And Jesus says, hold on. Am I not more to you than ten sons? Am I not more to you, more important to you than having all the fruit in all the world? My friend is, is my friend Dan is literally saving the continent of Africa. <laughs> and the Lord spoke this word to me. I said, Lord, what am I doing for you? I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I'm preaching where I can. I go out on the streets and I don't see anybody saved. I'm doing the best I can, Lord. I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm going out. What do I got to do, Lord? I need more fruit. Brian has feathers follow him everywhere he goes. He opens up his refrigerator and gold bars pop out. And books, or his books like levitate there and send themselves to the destinations. Michael's booked like for the rest of his life. 
He's got preaching. He can't. He's got no dates open. And people are just calling. And here I am. These are my boys. I, you know, these are the guys I hang out with. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, man, what am I doing? And I get in that prayer closet. I lean on that beanbag. And he says, Eric, am I not more to you than ten sons? Am I not more precious to you than winning the continent, the continent of Africa? Am I not more to you than wonders? Am I not more to you than all the people in the world coming to your feet because you have the glory of God on your life? This is the issue that's got to be settled. Because once this issue is settled, on the inside, the cry changes. She still cries. After he picks her up, she gets up and she eats. Then she returns to cry again. But her cry is different this time. Her cry at first is, everybody is saying, the culture is saying, my identity is wrapped up in my inability to bear forth children. I'm worthless. I got no sons. I got no kids. Panina's popping them out like crazy. I can't do nothing. This is where she's at. She's on the inside saying, I'm bankrupt. And she's crying from this place. Crying for fruit. For fruit's sake. So that her identity will be justified. But after Elkanah says, am I not more to you than ten sons? Her cry switches to having something born out of her life to give back to God. I want fruit now because I want to give you something. Not to justify my existence and not to find value in myself and my ministry. I want fruit for one reason. So that I can offer it up to you. She says, Samuel will be yours forever. I'll never, I'll never come back. I'll, I, what I'll do is, I, I, after I wean him, I'll give him to the temple and, and he'll live there forever. He won't even live with me. I, I'll give him completely to you. You know what she bears forth? Samuel. The Bible says in Hebrews, we, time would fail us to talk about, you know, Gideon and, and Barak and Samson. And then it says, Samuel and the prophets. I always thought that was very interesting. Samuel and the prophets. Why does it say Samuel and the prophets? Why doesn't it just say the prophets? Samuel was a prophet. So I did what I always do, and I text Dave. I say, hey, bro, what do you think the reason is for the writer of Hebrews to say Samuel and the prophets? That's kind of interesting to me. He goes, you know what it is, bro? It's like Jordan and the bulls. He said, he's the first, and he was the man. And I was like, oh, snap, you know, that's so good. Samuel and the prophets, Jordan and the bulls. It hit me like a ton of bricks, because I knew how he was born. He was born by settling the issue that Jesus means more to me than all the fruit in all the world. Now, fruit will inevitably follow, no doubt. I'm not saying live as fruitless as you possibly can, and that's how you know if you really love Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But it's got to come from a different source. It has to come out of the sweet, intimate union with the fact that God is all that I'm here for anyways. I just want you. And as I focus and set myself only upon you because I, I just love you, 
and I adore you, and your presence is what I want above all things. Then the fruit inevitably follows. The Lord remembers her. She bears forth Samuel, who puts to shame pretty much everybody. He's a priest, right? And a prophet. Now, I don't think there was another priest and prophet besides, what was it? Is it uh, Zechariah? Maybe he was a priest and prophet too. Or maybe Samuel was the only one. But are you hearing what I'm saying? On a real note, are you hearing what I'm saying? I want you to say this. Close your eyes. Jesus, you are more to me than all the fruit in all the world. And the only reason why I want fruit is to give it to you. I don't need to justify myself. I don't need to compare myself. All I need is your presence and your voice. And everything will flow from there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you. Could you speak in to pray in the Holy Spirit right now? Say under Dios on a mamma by a sitium. O Rondoro Dios on the Dios Amram. E alala la yondra Dios on The glory of the Lamb. The glory of the Lamb of God. The glory. The glory of God. Randara Dios sitium barabia sonder. O Rondoro Dios. Alala yondra Dios solala. E alala la yondra Dios. O Randara Dios Sandra Dios. Me 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 alala lo yalala lo 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 lo. I just love your presence, Lord. I just love your presence, Lord. Say, don't get in a hurry. Forget about what's coming next. The presence is in the present. Glory, glory. We worship you, Lamb. We adore you, Lamb. Ayalalayoso. Yeah, just relax. Yeah, just relax in Him. Just let Him just sit on you and rest on you. Just rest in His presence. Lord, you're glorious. Lord, you're glorious. Yeah. 
you'll find your soul just gets stuck. And almost like a nothingness of His presence. This is where visions happen. This is where your head goes upon His chest and you hear His heart. This is where the soul is satisfied.
sound glorious, Jesus. You're glorious. You're so glorious. Jesus, you're glorious. So glorious, Jesus. So glorious. I worship you. You guys know this song. Almighty God. Sing. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I long to do. Come on, sing. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. Come on, sing. I worship you, Almighty God. There is none. There is none like you. Come on, somebody sing. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none. Like you, there is none like you. Come on, sing it to Jesus. No one else can touch my heart like you do. And I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you, and I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, come on, sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great, for your name. Come on, sing it out. And greatly to be praised. Come on, I sing praises. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name. For your name is great. Come on, just worship Him. And greatly to be praised. Say, I give glory. And I give glory to your... Come on, we worship you, Lord. Oh, Lord. Glory to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great, for your name is great, so great, and greatly to be praised.
praise, oh, I sing glory. I give glory to your name. Oh, Lord, glory to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name, for your For your name is great. For your name is great and greatly to be praised. For your name is great and greatly to be praised in your. I want, and you're all I've ever Come on, sing. Oh, we worship you. Help me know. Help me know you are near, and you're all I want. Come on, sing, sing, sing. And you're all I ever needed. And you're all I want. Help me know you all. And Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Come on, somebody sing it to Jesus. I live for you. Every breath. Every moment I'm. Lord, have your way. Your way in me. And Lord, I give you 